Okay. Good afternoon. It's just past 12 o'clock for me on Sunday. I figured I would do something slightly different today. I'm going to read a book, a children's book, one that I would like to read my children and have them hear me read to them without the distraction of them actually being here because they're four-year-old twins. So this book that I'm going to read today is called Malcolm Little, The Boy Who Grew Up to Become Malcolm X. The book was written by Ilyasa Shabazz, the daughter of Malcolm X, and it was illustrated by A.G. Ford. It is going to be read to you today by Ian Demers. Just a couple quick caveats. I am reading this book for the first time. I'm going to be flipping through it, so you might hear some page turns. I might make some mistakes on some pronunciations, which I will correct. Uh, but just bear with me. I have a tendency to get emotional. I can see this one doing that. So, without further ado, Malcolm Little, the boy who grew up to become Malcolm X. To Earl and Luis, from the author, and from the illustrator, to my mother and father, Al and Gwen Ford. Malcolm X was one of the most influential men in American history. But before he became Malcolm X, he was Malcolm Little. Malcolm was born on May 19, 1925, in a small Midwestern town of Omaha, Nebraska. He was born into a tight-knit family with parents who not only encouraged his natural curiosity as a boy, but also taught him lessons about discipline, fortitude, and self-determination. Malcolm's father was Earl Little, but there was nothing little about him. Papa Earl was strong, broad, and towering man. His smooth, dark skin was as beautiful as the midnight sky. His voice resounded like gentle thunder whenever he spoke. His protection and guidance stretched up and around his family like a great live oak tree in his home state of Georgia. Malcolm's mother was Louise Norton. Louise was born in the island country of Grenada, West Indies. It is a place known as Spice Island, where the sweet smell of nutmeg and cocoa swirled together in the tropical air. Luis was a bright student who excelled at reading and math. She began asking questions at an early age about mistreatment of people of color in her hometown. After Luis graduated school, she left for Montreal, Canada to join a her uncle, Edgerton, who was co-founder of the Marcus Garvey movement. Followers, followers of Garvey believed that all humans are created equal. In Montreal, Louise met a giant gentleman named Earl Little. Both of them had traveled to Montreal, focused on joining the struggle for freedom and justice. Earl and Louise were soon married. The happy couple moved to the rural Midwest and soon became the parents of seven children, Wilfred, Hilda, Philbert, Malcolm, Reginald, Yvonne, and Wesley. 
Earl and Louise cherished their family and instilled in their children values of faith in God and self-love, of honesty and integrity, of, and of brotherhood and equality. The little children were happy and romped endlessly around the little home and land in Omaha, Nebraska. Malcolm was the middle child, and, well, Malcolm was different. He was full of questions and, nat and a natural leader, a fun-loving prankster. And along with his brothers and sisters, he was always up to something. When Malcolm was four years old, something horrifying happened that he would never forget. One night, while the little family was sound asleep and the percussive hiss-hum of the cricket song whistled quietly in the darkness, the loud crackle of the blazing fire awakened them. Terror clutched Malcolm's heart as he realized the blaze was consuming their home. Fortunately, Malcolm and his family escaped the raging inferno, and they watched in disbelief as their beloved home burned to the ground. They would later learn that the flames had been set by townspeople who disagreed with their family's beliefs about universal equality and justice. The fire was a sad sign of ignorance and intolerance. But nothing would stop Earl and Louise Little from moving forward. Despite the great loss of their home, of their house, and all their belongings, they vowed to rebuild their lives, armed not with material possessions, but instead with optimism and faith. After all, Earl and Louise knew that possessions come and go, but faith, love, and perseverance would sustain them. Earl purchased six acres of land in Lansing, Michigan, and set out to build a new home for his family. He would construct it with his own hands from the ground up. Earl built the house nail by nail and brick by brick, only buying a new piece of hardware when he had enough money to pay for it. Papa, Malcolm asked, how come we don't have windows in our house? Earl answered with total confidence. Son, when we can afford the glass, our frames will be filled. He learned over to, he learned over to look squarely into Malcolm's eyes. All good things begin with a fundamental structure. From that moment on, whenever Malcolm felt the wind blow through those empty window frames, instead of wondering when the glass would come, he would think of his father's unstoppable optimism and faith. Malcolm's father would preach about faith, self-reliance, and hard work to throngs of people gathered at local churches and assemblies. The grown-ups in the audiences listened intently, their eyes fixed on Earl, their ears on his words, and their souls on his message. With arms raised high and eyes piercing with sincerity, Earl Little stirred the deepest parts of their beings. Malcolm felt the electricity in the room as the dignity of the self-respect of those in attendance would steadily rise. The meetings were charged with the group's collective desire to create their own opportunities and to lead to better lives. Malcolm's father reminded them that they were not merely the descendants of slaves, but that their African ancestors built some of the greatest civilizations ever recorded in history and that they, too, could stand to build a bright future for their children. These were lessons in hope and self-determination that Malcolm would grow to love.
Malcolm sat with rapt attention at his father's uplifting messages, proclaimed freedom, justice, and equality for all. And just as Malcolm found inspiration from his father's speeches at church, he learned some unexpected lessons from his mother's garden at home. For Malcolm, the enchanted garden of Louise Norton Little was a little world of its own, where the most sluggish of ladybugs and the fastest scurrying ants were all equally treated like esteemed and welcome guests at a family Sunday brunch. Here, savvy spiders busily crocheted their delicate webs along the foliage, allowing the strong Midwestern sunshine to cast pretty patterned shadows on the soft earth below. Geraniums dotted the field in the distance with peppy pops of pink and purple, as the, the crisp blue sky and lush green field connected somewhere far out on the horizon. In the sacred garden, beetles hustled about the like hurried businessmen on their way to important meetings, while snails lollied leisurely as if they were on some kind of half-speed permanent vacation. Here, Louise taught her children to love everything living creature equally, large or small, pretty or ugly, busier still, fast or slow, insect or plant. The garden was a testament to true and unconditional brotherhood from the earth up to the sky a daily lesson in acceptance and equality. Each living creature has a story, a purpose, a reason for being, and a beauty of its own. Through the majestic trees in the garden, Malcolm would also learn about the importance of roots, nature's anchors. To the base of every living creature and through the outspread wings of chirping birds above, he began to see power of possibility. And this special garden became a source of knowledge, a little family sanctuary where lessons came each day like tiny droplets of sweet morning dew. Because Luis knew that the best way to teach a child was to give him or her a chance, she gave each of her children their very own little plot of land in the garden, where they would take care of their designated areas like a proud professional mini-farmers. Malcolm and his siblings learned to plant, water, trim, till, and harvest the crops, which in turn planted the seeds for hard work and their self and their sense of self-reliance. With their shovels and watering pitches in hand, they nourished the crops and cared for their herbs, fruits, vegetables as they would for any other living creature, with intention, dedication, and love. Malcolm's favorite vegetables grew Malcolm's favorite vegetables to grow were peas. He would spend hours in the garden methodically combing through the rows of seedlings and sprouts, his little fingers <laughs> digging furiously into the warm earth, making sure that there were no earthworms squirming around down there. When his mother later served the fresh peas at the dinner table, Malcolm would flash a great big gratified smile. On one summer day, as Malcolm tended to his lot in the garden, out of nowhere came a small flurry of color that swept right through the air. As he stood up to wipe the August sweat from his forehead, Malcolm saw the colossal insect. It was every color of the rainbow, 
and it flew right by his cheek as if to give him the tiniest kiss. Malcolm had never seen anything so pretty. Its paper things, thin wings, forever winking at the world. Its vibrant colors, each one more beautiful than the next. Do you see that beautiful butterfly, Malcolm? Louise asked her son as the breeze, insects, and flowers all seemed to stop in their tracks to listen to her speak. Well, believe it or not, there was a time when that butterfly thought of itself as ugly, frightened, and all alone. It did not understand the value of its own little life. It had to learn about patience because it had no idea of what the future would hold. It had to develop and mature and blossom. And now look at it. It's beautiful, proud, smart, and free. Luis always found the time to instill lessons and good morals and values. Even while she was ironing, washing, cooking, and fussing over all seven of her children. While folding fresh laundry, Luis would unfold the newspaper from another country for her children to read. A window into the world and a way to connect with the rest of humanity. Brothers and sisters all across the globe, even though the children went to school, she knew that the best education they would receive would begin at home and that information was one of the greatest gifts she could give to them. She would bake biscuits while discussing philosophy, sweep the floor while reciting poetry, and teach math while pruning the garden. With one hand she would tend to the linens, and the other hand she would hold an open book, and Malcolm and his siblings would listen as she enthusiastically taught them one of the alphabets of the five different languages that she spoke fluently. Malcolm especially loved the sounds of the letters in French and hearing the elegant intonation of this sumptuous language. Words that to him always sounded like they were somehow dressed up. But most of all, these lessons in language taught young Malcolm that there was a whole wide world far beyond his noisy chickens and green peas. You see, Louise Little knew the real truth about words. She knew that they were more than just a jumble of letters all lined up in a perfect rows. She showed him the magic within words. She knew that each word was actually a powerful building block, a tiny gift of meaning that could bring us in ideas to life. She taught young Malcolm how to appreciate the dictionary and exposed him to the world of books. In each volume, ideas and inspiration mingled like savory flavors in a spice island stew that Malcolm couldn't wait to taste. Luis knew that words had the power to move people, make them laugh, cry, feel, and think. But most important, she knew that the more words you learned, the better you could communicate, and the more in life you could create. She firmly believed that knowledge acquired today would transform into wisdom tomorrow. On sunny afternoons, after school, when the air was still warm from the day and the chores were done, Malcolm loved to go fishing with his friend, Big Boy. The two of them would stand over the stream like a pair of kings surveying their empire. They stood quietly, eagerly waiting for fishing lines to move, for even just a hint of a ripple in the stillness of that glistening water. Sometimes they would stand for hours, watching the stream as if nothing else mattered. They would scratch their heads and exchange looks that said, What could we possibly be doing wrong? Malcolm and Big Boy knew that if they wanted results, they were going to have to come up with a clever way of catching fish. 
What were they not thinking of? Malcolm would scratch his head, squinting through the sunshine, and mull it over with Big Boy, both of them trying to come up with a better way to attract the fish. Then one day on the bridge, while their lines were still, Malcolm thumped a rumble in his belly. The thought of the delicious supper that was waiting for him at home crept into his mind. Freshly baked biscuits, herb-roasted chicken, a medley of steamed vegetables from the garden, and a homemade apple pie with churned vanilla ice cream. Malcolm imagined the aromas that would fill the little house at dusk, and then suddenly it hit him. They needed better bait. Just like the aromas of dinner brought him and his siblings running to the table, Malcolm and Big Boy needed to lure the fish to come swimming to their lines. Their plastic earthworms obviously weren't cutting it. The next day, just before Malcolm cast his fishing rod into the stream, he pulled out a handful of breadcrumbs from his pocket and hurled them into the water where they landed like raindrops. Soon enough, tiny bubbles appeared around the crumbs, and just like the little children would come rushing to the dinner table each night, the fish swam around to see what treasures Malcolm and Big Boy had to offer. From that day on, the boys caught big, beautiful fish. But more important, Malcolm learned that observation and effort could combine to create desired results. But the innocent world of magical gardens and carefree fishing would be short-lived, and Malcolm's life would change forever. The young boy, who until now learned so much from his parents, lost his father Earl to the brute force of racism and narrow-mindedness of Ku Klux Klan members and their brethren in the Black Legion. They disagreed with Earl and Louise, Louise's beliefs in equality, and apparently they also disagreed with Earl's right to live in a free society. In fact, they did not seem to think that he had the right to live at all. And it quickly became clear that the hate and fury that was behind the fire that burned the little house down so many years ago was now back again. Only this time, the hate was so strong, it took Earl Little away from his family forever. Louise was left on her own to manage the household in six acres of land and fend for her children. She sewed, crocheted, and rented out garden space on her land. The two, the oldest two children, Wilford and Hilda, set out to help their mother with raising the younger siblings and keeping the little family close and intact. It was the era of the Great Depression, and times got harder and harder. Soon local officials began to assess, assert that Louise was no longer fit to care for her children, and they threatened to take away the family land. The proud, loving mother on whom the children depended on was now being taken from them for reasons no one dared to explain. When it rains, it pours, Malcolm once heard his mother say. Now I understood exactly what she meant. When Louise was taken away, the little children became wards of the state. All the brothers and sisters were separated. Fortunately, Earl and Louise's good friends welcomed the children with open arms. Without his parents' guidance, Malcolm became disobedient and required structure of reform school. But due to his academic adaptness, 
he was eventually enrolled in Mason Junior High School. When he arrived, he was the only student of color. Malcolm felt like a fish out of water. His brothers and sisters were gone. He missed the sound of his mother's voice. He longed for the passionate speeches his father gave about the teachings of Marcus Garvey. He yearned to hear the gifted orator inspire people to care about history, justice, and equal rights for all mankind. As the only African-American student in his new school, Malcolm would have to blaze his own path toward discovering the remaining truths of his own identity. Malcolm tried to cheer himself up. He would conjure up sweet, satisfying crunch of his mother's oatmeal cookies after a long day at school. And the frantic clucking of chickens and little family raised and sold, which always sounded like they were arguing. Now the memory of their squawkling vibed music to his ears. He thought of how funny Big Boy looked with his pant legs rolled up, sweat pouring down his cheeks in his own private rain shower. Malcolm desperately missed the lively world of laughter and love that he had grown up in. He thought of his siblings, Wilfred, Hilda, Filbert, Reginald, Yuvani, Wesley, and his newest brother, Robert. The only other people in the world who must have felt exactly as he did. Malcolm wondered if they would, if they went to bed each night, longing for the same thing and kept him awake, wanting to be together as a family again. Sad, lonely, and confused, the beautiful colors of his life he once knew flattened into an uninspiring shade of muted gray. The grief was stiffening, and nothing seemed to help. Malcolm was broken. One overcast morning, Malcolm stood up from his desk chair and walked over to the open window, which was inviting a soft breeze into his room. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath. And when he opened his eyes again, he saw something that he would never forget. Hanging delicately in a small tree twig on a giant evergreen that was a cocoon. Something Luis had shown him one day in the garden. You see that particular little thing, Malcolm? Well, it's actually a casing spun of silk. A protective covering for the creature that lives inside it until it's mature enough to fly out into the world. And just then... With one tiny wing at a time, a magnificent butterfly came half-fluttering, half-stumbling out. It was in flight for the very first time, set free from its home, alone, and finally face-to-face -face with the entire universe. When Malcolm saw the butterfly, that familiar symbol of freedom and transformation, he remembered who he had once was and where he came from. He remembered his own cocoon the safe haven where lessons and values came like nourishment each day. With his eyes fixed, he followed the path of the butterfly flying away. At first it seemed uncertain, perhaps confused by its new life outside of the safe little shell. But by the time it began to take flight, soaring through the world around it, bringing joy and color everywhere. The soaring butterfly gently opened Malcolm's heart to feel joy again. Standing there on his own two feet, he felt roots reaching down into the earth, gripping the soil and providing the strength he needed to awaken the dormant parts of his identity. He would use the sharpness of his mind to overcome the heaviness of his heart. He would replace sadness with smarts and hardship with hard work at school. And just like the butterfly, Malcolm was ready to soar.
but his resolve would soon be tested. One morning, the English teacher, Mr. Otrosqui, asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. Malcolm, who was sitting straight up in the chair, proudly announced that he wanted to be a lawyer. His grades were certainly high enough to set him on this path, but his teacher did not believe that African Americans should have high expectations for themselves to, or aspire to excel. He did not believe that people like Malcolm should dream, hope, plan, or succeed. But Malcolm was old enough to understand that Mr. Oswalski was terribly wrong. And just as nothing had ever stopped Earl, Malcolm learned how to rise up with that same bold determination that made his father a family hero. He had good ideas and good friends at school, and the can-do attitude to make something that the promising combination. Whenever Malcolm would tell a story or a joke, the kids would all gather around, their eyes fixed on the charismatic boy who clearly different from them, but someone whom they adored and respected just the same. The little boy who had lost so much was now ready to face the world. And then one day something extraordinary happened. Malcolm Little, the boy who was raised on the vision of freedom and justice, was elected class president by the students of the seventh grade class. When they looked at Malcolm, they no longer saw a mournful child lost in the world. They saw a smart, insightful, charming winner. They voted for a leader who believed in equality and who radiated optimism. Their open-mindedness symbolized hope for generations to come. Malcolm may have lost his family, but he never lost the values for which the little family stood. And for the rest of his life, whenever doubt, sadness, fear, or pain would come creeping into his thoughts, he would firmly hold on to one constant force that always gave true meaning to his family life. Love. That's it. That's, um... You know, after uh, reading it, it lets me know that such a great human being can come from such hate. It just lets me know that love and equality outshines thank you Ilyasa Shabazz that was a beautiful story